so glad that we serve a God who doesn't leave us in the desert. Sometimes it's the desert we created for ourselves, and he still doesn't leave us. He still doesn't leave us. You know, it, it amazes me. We serve a God that, um, of all the gods in this world that people worship, of all the, the so-called gods, there is none that would go up to the one that worships them, get down on his knees, put a towel on his lap, and wash their feet. There is not a single God in this world that would do that, except ours. Except ours. Hallelujah. 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 He doesn't leave us the way that he found us. He washes us. He cleanses us. He, he ministers to his people. What an amazing God we serve. You know, being God's witness in Jordan or right here in your territory, it requires some things from us. It requires 100% complete submission to God. You know, I'm from Texas. And uh, we don't like that word. (laughs) Uh, Someone mentioned someone who is not in the American culture, not part of the American culture. They said this to me, and I, I don't think if they hadn't said it to me, I probably would not have ever thought this. But they said America was born out of rebellion. Right? Submission is not something we do very well. But in the kingdom of God, it requires 100% complete submission to God. It also requires 100% complete reliance upon God. We don't like that word either. (laughs) I got it. I got it. I got it. You try to feed your kids. I, 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 I got it, mom. I got it. I'll eat it by myself. Right? But being in the kingdom of God requires submission. It requires reliance upon God. You know, the land that God has given us, it's hard, both physically and spiritually. I've always wondered why God chose Canaan as his promised land. I've always wondered why in the world he chose that place. Why does he love Jerusalem so much to put his name there? If, you, uh, if you've ever been there or if you ever get to go there, at first, you know, it's just really exciting. Oh, this is where Jesus was baptized. And oh, this is where maybe possibly, perhaps maybe Peter preached maybe on the day of Pentecost, possibly. (laughs) There's a lot of that. Uh, Oh, this is, this is where Jesus was crucified. And oh, this and oh, this and oh, this. But, but if you have to stay there for any length of time, if you have to work there, if you have to minister there, uh, if you have to live there, eventually you're going to look around and you're, you're going to say, God, (laughs) Um, this place is a wilderness. This place is a desert. Why in the world would you choose this place as your promised land? The best theory that I've ever heard, the best answer to my question was that, well, it's at the crossroads of the world. And so from this location, you can reach down into Africa with the gospel. You can reach into Asia with the gospel. You can reach into Europe. Um, And that was a good theory, but it never quite answered my question because Lebanon's just a few miles north, much more beautiful. Everybody's heard of the cedars of Lebanon. Why not from there? You could have done it from Spain or from Yemen or even Egypt. 
So it never quite answered my question, but, but I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy, and that's where we're going to read at from today, Deuteronomy chapter 11. And I found my answer. We're going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 7 to 17. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 7 to 17. Verse 7 says, But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. There we go. Verse 8. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it, and that you may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt. Now I need you to pull from your inner Texan, look at your neighbor and say, this ain't Egypt. It is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. Now what in the world does it mean to water it with your foot? (laughs) Well, uh, Egypt is also a desert. Egypt is also a wilderness. Um, But the difference is, uh, in Egypt, they have a huge water source there called the Nile. And so even if there is no rain from heaven, even if there's no blessing from God, they can throw their pumps down into this Nile River, they can pump up their water, and they can irrigate their crops. Even if God's not sending the rain, they can survive. But here... God is saying, this land that you're going to, it's not like that. You can't do that there. Verse 11. But the land, whether you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. It's a thirsty land. Verse 12. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass. If you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil, and I will send grass in thy field for thy cattle, that thou mayest be full. Verse 16. Take heed to yourselves. That your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. This scripture answers my question of why, why God would choose that land. It's very simple. He gave them the opposite of what they had had. Now, Egypt, Egypt where they had been, it's always an example of something in the Bible. Does anybody know what Egypt is always an example of? Sin, the world, the place that God brought you out of, right? The place he saved you from. And in Egypt, it's, it's an example of the world where you can just work hard, You can work hard and you can be successful, even if there's no blessing from God. We see people like this all the time, right? We see people like this. They don't care about God. They don't care about serving the Lord. They don't care about living a right life. 
oh, but they have all the money and they have all the, the benefits and they have all the cars and the, the jobs and the this and the that, right? Because that's Egypt. You can do that in Egypt. You can work hard and you can be successful in Egypt, even without God's blessings. But in Canaan, in the promised land, you can't do that. You can't do that. God even told them, when you get there, don't destroy your enemies too quickly. Or the wild animals will, they will multiply and they will overtake you. What? <laughs> where, where are you taking us, God? What, what, what kind of wild animals? Right? What is this place, God? I hope you understand today, I'm not just trying to give you a lesson on the Middle East. I hope you understand today, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about our promised land, our promises, our future, our place in the world. They have to be taken in God's timing or they will destroy us. We have to trust the time that God makes us wait. It, it just, it, there's some things in this Bible here that God says, we read it and it's just like, I know it's true, but ooh, man, that's hard. One of them for me is when God says, don't despise the day of small things. But Lord, I thought it's not your will that any should perish. Isn't it your will the church should be full? <laughs> Isn't it your will we should have all the workers to do all the things that the church needs? Why does God always do this? Why does he always choose a wilderness for his people? Canaan, this hot desert with harsh sun and little rain. You don't know what you've mis- you, you're missing. Maybe, maybe you do, but <laughs> most people don't know what they're missing until you've stood out in the hot desert sun for 30 minutes waiting for a taxi so you can go to church. No rain from May until October, sometimes November. The most water poor area on the entire globe. 14 inches of annual rainfall. Dry, dusty, unforgiving. And God said, right there. Right there. Why? Why? Why are the giants so big, God? Why is it so difficult? And God tells us, because this is not Egypt. This is not Egypt. This is not Egypt. You cannot survive in the promises of God. You cannot survive in the kingdom of God without 100% complete submission without 100% complete reliance, without loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, without serving him with all of your strength. You can't do it. We can't survive it without submission, without reliance, without listening for his voice, listening for his commandment. Do I go? Do I stay? Do I fight? Do I rest? Do we plunder? Do we occupy? Listening for his voice, following after the Holy Spirit. You know, we are, I used to think that in the Middle East, you know, we know we have to be following after the Holy Spirit. You know, when we talk to people, we know we have to be sensitive. You know, uh, people come into church. We don't know if, if that's really a person who wants to know God or if that's somebody from the police. We don't know. 
We have to be flowing in his spirit. But, but I thought that was just there. <laughs> but then I came back home and I realized, whoa, hey, things have changed. Something's different. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll just tell you, we have to do that here now, too. We have to be flowing in his spirit. We have to be listening for his voice. Obedience is not enough. Obedience is not enough. You remember the story of King Jehoash? When Elisha told King Jehoash to hit the ground with the arrows? You remember that story? How many times did he hit the ground? Three times. And Elisha was mad. He was mad. Why did you only hit the ground three times? Now you're only going to have three victories over your enemies. Elisha was mad. But I'm pretty sure that if I was King Jehoash, I'm pretty sure I would have been mad. What? (laughs) What? You didn't say that. You told me to do something and I did it. It's not enough. Obedience is not enough. We have to be flowing in a spirit. We have to know what the mind of the Lord is. We have to know what thus saith the Lord. We have to be connected to him. The Bible says that uh, Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he cried. And he said, oh, how many times would I have gathered you close to me, gathered you in like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't come. You wouldn't come close to me. You wouldn't come and listen. I'm the world's worst about when God tells me something, I just, I go with it. You know? Yes, Lord. And I know that God's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Come back. I told you that, but tomorrow I'm going to give you the strength you need for it. And the next day I'm going to give you the passion. And the next day I'm going to give you strategies. Come back. Come back. Listen to me. Be close to me. Flow in my spirit. You know, sometimes also... We do go to God, and we ask him, God, what is it that you want me to do? What should I do? What do I do next? And sometimes he doesn't answer. Is it just me? Come on, God. I'm, I'm here. I'm seeking your face. I'm, I'm inquiring of the Lord like people have done for thousands of years. Come on. <laughs> Just a little word. And God showed me this. We are in a battle. We are in a war. And on the battlefield, those commanders, those officers, they don't just yell out their next move. They don't just yell out, 20 paces, turn left. Why? It would be so much easier for those soldiers if their commanders just yelled it out to them. They can't do that. Because their enemy will also hear and be there to stop it. You can't do that. Sometimes, when God is not speaking yet, sometimes it's because he can't. He can't tell you yet. That's when we wait upon the Lord. That's when we Keep our eye on our commander. We know he knows what he's doing. He's, he, had this, he had this all planned out before we got on this field right now. And he knows what he's doing. And if I just keep my eye on him, 
If I just keep my focus on him, not even on this battle, not even on what I'm going through. If I just keep my eye on him in that moment that he is ready, he's going to tell me what to do and I'm going to be there to do it. Sometimes we have to wait on him. It is so amazing that the God of all creation who spoke the worlds into existence, who made us just from dust right here, this we're made from this. And he has to say, the God of all creation has to look at us made from dust. And he has to say, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. As if we're faster than him. As if we're smarter than him. As if we love these people more than him. As if we love this church more than him. As if we love our families more than him. We cannot obtain the promises of God just by working hard. We cannot survive in the kingdom of God just by working hard, just by pumping in our blessing. Well, people aren't coming to church. Let's throw a block party. Let's give away some bicycles. Let's... Well, God said my family's going to be saved, but... Ooh, man, there. You know what? I'm just going to call them every single day. Every day. <laughs> That's fear. That's fear. That's not even obedience. That's just fear. That's fear that God's not going to do what he said he's going to do. We have to be flowing with his spirit. We have to know the right moment when to call them. We have to know who to invite. We have to know who to talk to. We have to know the moment to say yes and the moment to say wait, no. We have to be flowing in his spirit. We can't just force this. We can't force the promises of God. That's Egypt's way. Well, there's no blessing. Well, there's no rain. Come on, everybody, get your pumps out. Let's just do this. Let's just manufacture our promise. Let's do it ourselves. And that is not God's way. God's way says not by might, not by your power, by my spirit, by my spirit, says the Lord. If we commit to doing things God's way and in God's timing, not by our own strength, he will send the rain in its times. In its times, he will send the rain. There will be sowing. There will be reaping. Our enemies will strategically be overtaken in his timing. I don't know what promises that you have from God, what words that God has spoken to you, what promises this church has or what promises this city has. I don't know. I'm sure there are some. You heard some of ours on this video. I'm sure if you've been living for God any length of time, he's spoken to you. I don't know what these promises are. I don't know what it's like in your, por- your portion of the wilderness. I don't know what it's like in your land. But I do know that if God has spoken to you a word or a promise, it is spiritual. And it will happen in his spirit. By his word. Just because he spoke it. You know, this, this Bible right here that I have in my hand, it's brown. But if God appeared to all of us here today and he said, children, this 
is pink. Guess what? <laughs> I've been wrong my whole life. I thought that was brown. It's pink. Why? Because he is truth. If he says something, it automatically is. If he has spoken to you, if he has given you a promise, you don't have to force it to happen. It will happen just because he is God. Just because he spoke it. And then he speaks it, so we speak it. He said it, so I say it. I declare my promises. God, there's so many things that God has said in Jordan that, that will come to pass. I, I put them up here for you to hear some of them. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid that they're not going to happen. We'll have audiences with people who rule there. I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to say it out loud. There's a whole mountain there right in the, door, the middle of my city. It's the door of my city. God has said we can have that mountain. There's, there's buildings all around it, and that little mountain is just sitting up there bare waiting for us. <laughs> Millions of dollars it would take to buy that mountain. I couldn't travel enough on deputation to raise enough money to buy that mountain. I, I can't pump in that mountain. But I'm not afraid to say it's going to be ours. I'm not afraid to say that God's going to give us that mountain. Because it's not by my might. It's not by my power. It's not by my money. It's not by any of that. It's by the Spirit of God. The Word of God already said it. And I agree with Him. There's so many promises that we have as children of God. We have inherited promises. How many of y'all, maybe you did your, your DNA, your ancestry thing, right? On, uh, your, you know, stuck the little Q-tip in your mouth or whatever. I did mine. It's not that exciting. <laughs> But we have a heritage, and we have a lineage that is exciting. We have a family that is amazing. It goes back from generation to generation. We can trace it. And we have promises that are inherited, that we have inherited from our ancestors. We have promises that go all the way back to Father Abraham. Even Adam, we have promises we have promises that, that oh, yeah, he's going to hurt us a little bit. He's gonna hurt, the Satan's going to hurt our heel, but it's okay. We're going to crush his head. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We have promises from our father Abraham that says, Abraham, this is for you and your children. Every place that you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Now, don't go into your neighbor's yard and start walking around. Okay. And some people maybe think, well, I don't know if we can really claim those promises. That was, that's not really ours. Let me ask you a question. This will make you uh, think about it in a little bit different of a way. Do you really think, I want to hear your voice, okay. Do you really think that God wants Satan to be in control here? Do you really think that God wants Satan to be in control? No. Who does he want to be in control? His children, his heirs, his people, us. Paul said that we are the children of promise through Isaac. We, the church. That means that every place I go, in the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Go to my kid's school, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Go to Walmart, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. As I was driving, I went through the city and then came back. <laughs> but as I was driving through here, uh, my, my, my phone went to that song, Waymaker, the one that we sang today. And God was saying, there is so much darkness. There is so much darkness in the city. So much darkness. When God first created the world, it was also dark. And one of the very first things he did was turn the light on. One of the very first things he did was say, you know what? We need some revelation here. Before the sun even began to shine, hey, we need some light. We need some light. So we can walk through this city. I'm leaving. You can do it. (laughs) You can walk through this city and say, uh, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He's touching every heart. He's turning lives around. He's waking, making a way. He's making a way. He's keeping his promises. He's touching. You know what? This house right here, God's touching their hearts. You know what? This school right here, God's turning their, 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 mind, their lives around. You know what? You know what? This church right here, God's turning the light on. They're going to see the revelation. They're going to see the revelation of baptism in Jesus' name. They're going to see the revelation that they need his spirit. We can do that. We can do that. This is our city. This is our kingdom. This is our job. This is what we're here for. Let's all stand. I don't know what promises that you have from God. I don't know what promises this city has from God. But sometimes whenever we get a promise and a word from God, like I mentioned before, that fear just kind of starts to sneak in. I mean, I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. God said my family is going to be saved, and my older brother looks like he's running away from God as fast as he can. I know. God's given us so many promises about Jordan and All I can see is it's still a desert. Our church still has 10, 15 people. I understand. I know what I'm talking about. Our father, Abraham, God gave him a promise. Abraham, you're going to have a son. I'm going to give you a son. But after a few years went by, I don't know if Abraham just... Maybe he was embarrassed a little bit. Well, I told everybody I was going to have a son, God. They think I'm just getting old and senile. You know, God, I'm not sure how much longer I can produce a son. I'm not sure how much longer I can physically do this. I know Sarah can't. And Abraham just got a little bit scared. That the promise wasn't going to happen. That God's word wasn't going to come to pass. That what God had spoken wasn't really 
going to be done by God alone. And so he started thinking a little bit about Egypt. You know, in Egypt, they just get things done. You know, in Egypt, they just, you know what? Maybe that was God's will all along. We just need to just do it and and he'll bless it, you know? Hey, Egyptian. Hey, Hagar. Why don't we do this the Egyptian way? Why don't we just, that, that's what God meant, right? And he did it. And we have Ishmael. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands year, of years of consequences. Still to this day, we are reaping the consequences of that action. Just because he didn't know if he could really trust God to do it. You know, we didn't have a clue what was going to happen the last two years. Right? We had no clue. But we're here. We have no idea what's going to happen in the next few years. That can be rough. If you're the provider of your family, that can be rough. Sometimes there's just a little fear. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know if I can handle another another punch to the gut. I don't know if we can do this. Maybe we just need to go down to Egypt. I can tell you, if you're the provider of your family, you really don't have to worry. As long as you're willing to bow your knee to God. And say, Father, I need you to provide for my family. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to rely on you. And I know that your word is true. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Never have I seen his seed begging for bread. I am going to serve the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And he is going to perform his word. Not by my might. Not by my long hours of overtime. By his spirit. By his spirit. If you have a word from God or a promise from God or you just feel like you've been walking through this wilderness on your own for too long, why don't you just lift up your hands? Just give your promise back to God. Give the words that he spoke, give it back to him. Give your wilderness back to him. That's how the rain comes. That's how the rain comes. That's how the corn and the wine and the oil and the grass for the cattle. That's how that comes. Just Start talking and say to yourself and say to God and to anybody else who will listen, I am going to serve the Lord my God with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my mind and with all of my strength. God, I will put my promises back in your hands. Just lift up your voice. I put my promises back in your hands, God. I put my family back in your hands, God. 
I put my life back in your hands, God. I'm not going to take the control. I don't need to be at the, at the steering wheel. God, I'm just going to serve you. I'm just going to put it back in your hands. I'm just going to put you back in control. Oh, God, I'm just going to flow in your spirit. I'm just going to be listening for your voice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come under your wing. I'm going to come under your wing. I'm going to be close to you. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to be listening for your voice. Do I go? Do I stay? Do I stop? Do I rest? God, I put Isaac back on the altar, God. I put Isaac back on the altar, God. I know it's what I love, and I know it's something you promised me, and I know I don't understand what you're doing right now, God. I don't understand what you're doing right now. But I trust you. I trust you, God. I'm going to keep my eye on you. I know when you when you can speak, you're going to speak. I know, oh God, when it's time, you're going to deliver me. I know, oh God, that in your timing, it will all make sense. I know, God, I can trust you. I know I can trust you. You are faithful. You have never failed me, God. You have never failed me, God. You have never failed me. Lift up your voice to God. Just let him know. Just let him know one more time. God, I trust you. God, I trust you for my city. I trust you for my church. I trust you for my family. I am not the Messiah. I don't have to save anyone. God, you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the one who will do this work. You are the author and the finisher. You are the one who started a good work in me. You are the one that's going to finish it, God. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Lift up your voice to God. Lift it up high. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just continue to just take a few minutes more to touch God's throne room right now. Hallelujah.